0: hi there my name is tim and my name is luke and you're listening to the recruitment now podcast we are passionate about recruiting each episode we share ideas and insights into the world of recruiting from world-class recruiters and researchers this podcast
1: is for recruiters hr professionals and anyone looking to improve their recruitment abilities all right so today we have uh, sam rabai here and we're going to be talking about being a better recruiter And the reason why we want to speak to Sam about this today is because Sam has actually been uh, working in the technology and talent space for 13 years at Fortune 500 organizations across Canada, based out of Toronto, and most recently has been working as the Director of Training and Corporate Recruitment at Eagle Professional Resources. Now what does that mean? That means that he's been training and developing recruiters who've never recruited, teaching them how to be recruiters from scratch. So I'm pretty sure Sam's got some really good tips for us here today. In addition to his day job, he's an instructor at George Brown College, where he's teaching courses under the adult certificate program. Um, he facilitates delivering training called train the trainer, as well as a trends in technologies and training courses. And lastly, I don't know how you find the time for all of this, Sam, but he, Sam is the co-founder of a training consulting startup where they provide end to end training solutions and services. So um, actually, that, that's an interesting one. Sam, what was, your, what was the name of your, your startup? It's Training Brokers. Training Brokers, there we go, that's what it was. So Sam, let's chat a little bit about your background. You're a recruiter, you work yeah. in recruitment, but there's also this training side with uh, Training Brokers. How did that happen?
2: First of all, thanks for having me. Um, honored to be a part of this, very exciting podcast right up my alley for sure Um, journey has been honestly very organic Uh, never was planning to get into training or recruitment for that matter back in 2005 I think it was I'd finished a uh, marketing program at a college and I was very eager to get into the marketing scene Uh, after having dropped out of the IT world because by my dad's influence I really wanted to sort of explore the IT space and software development and eventually robotics. That was something that, as a teenager, I was interested in. But uh, having gone through two years of it, realized, you know, my brain doesn't function that way. I should switch and get out of it. So I went and studied marketing. So I was out at an interview, and uh, the lady who was interviewing me, she kept mentioning our client, my client, our client this, my client that. And I kind of had to stop her and ask isn't the job i'm interviewing with you uh, here (laughs) and she said no we're actually a recruitment firm and kind of my light bulb went off what are you talking about explain and you know the more she kept talking about it the more my sort of my grin my smile got bigger and i was like this is this is what i want to do i want to be able to connect deal with people deal with talent and be able to connect talent and opportunities Uh, realize there is a whole space for that within the tech sector so I started knocking on doors and it was 2006 I got in. Um, I had some, you know, hands-on experience, technical knowledge from my couple of years at school. So it was easy for me to read resumes and understand them. I, w- I wouldn't call myself a technical person by any mean. But uh, once I got into it, I could converse with the IT people, no problem. I could understand them and read the jobs and sort of connect the dots. Mm-hmm. I was a single guy, nothing else to do, put long hours, uh, built my network up very quick and money was great in it and it was very, very appetizing.
1: So that's how you got into recruitment,
2: right? That's how I got into recruitment and then slowly I moved up the ladder, started managing teams, sort of team lead, managing teams, got on the sales for about a year but uh, really I, I, I really mastered bullion search side of things and then the cold calling and head hunting side so these two kind of the combination was something that i felt like i guess the colleagues or peers were missing so that kind of helped me moving up the ladder to a point that i became sort of a manager of teams
0: you you mentioned more in the past tense that they're lacking those skills do you think they're still missing those skills
2: well i think well right now i don't really necessarily recruit. It's been seven years
0: that I've been only
1: training. You're, ba- you're basically asking Sam um, whether he's doing a good enough job. I, I'm
0: curious. Well, <laughs> I mean, or is there a bigger market for what you're doing? I guess, you know, either way, could be a good well, thing. Well, I feel like there
2: is so much, there's so much automation has been introduced into the space and AI uh, that people don't tend to really master those core skills. Back when I started, there was not much in-mails going on <laughs> There's, there was not much, In-mails. you know, your, your ATS is pushing you out, candidates automatically sort of handpicking it for you. It was a lot of manual labor, like go out there, call people that you don't know who they are. Just you're assuming that there is probably an architect on that company or there is a PM here. And just sort of navigating through the phone system and referral as opposed to now you can kind of hide behind a LinkedIn profile. You don't have to necessarily master building a Boolean search. So a lot of those automations, I feel like, have made people lazy in a sense.
1: Let's, let's uh, focus a little bit on the work that you're currently doing at Eagle in which you're training mm-hmm. people to become recruiters from scratch. Now, imagine yeah. the people yeah. listening to this podcast, maybe they're new to recruitment or they're just thinking about entering the recruitment. Uh, field. Where do you start? How, how do you start training somebody who was as fresh as you were once upon a time, didn't even know what a recruiter was? How, mm-hmm. how do you introduce them to the world of recruitment?
2: Well, we, we, d- we do have a program here at Eagle called, we call it the Eagle program, that we bring individuals, as you said, with zero experience and we train them up. There are some core skills that I feel like over the years I've kind of learned that there's some some things need to be in you. I can't really instill certain things per se. Uh, maybe some other coaches can, but uh, those those cores, I would say the cores would be something like a grit, you know, the perseverance, the, the, the wanting to win or the competitiveness. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm not a motivational type of a person like a speaker or a coach. Mm-hmm. I teach you what I know. I teach you the tricks. But that core, I'm not, I'm not there to motivate you. But if you wanna be a sort of top tier recruiter that you're winning bids and you're winning these candidates over and you're winning clients over, you really need to be have that edge. But I've, I've, I've seen sort of people, if you come from a competitive background, it translates very nice into, into the recruitment space.
1: When you're recruiting right. recruiters, you're looking for those personality attributes, somebody who's very competitive, yes. who wants to win. Now, let's say you've got that. Let's say you've you've mm-hmm. recruited those recruiters, uh, you've got them in the door, and now you need to teach them everything about recruitment, not just about winning. What does day one look like? What does that training start with?
2: Day one is to really just the landscape, because if you don't know who you're, what the landscape looks like, who you're competing against, what that sense of urgency looks like, what what type of candidates you're dealing with, and it's it's very different. And we're, we're even, you know, in a contract and in the same industry, contract and full time, a totally different beast. If I'm recruiting full time candidates, they're going to behave very differently than a contract. So these bases you need to know.
0: Sam, one thing I've I've often wondered is. Is there different you know, personalities, temperaments, whatever you want to call it, for different types of recruitment re- roles required? I mean, the obvious difference would be agency recruitment versus in-house rec- uh, corporate recruitment, but it could be types of roles. Do you think there's different core personality traits that are needed to do those roles successfully, or is it something you can train no matter what?
2: I, th- I think at, at core of it, it's the same. Whether you're in a, in a corporate space or whether you're in an agency space, at the end of it when you look at the big big steps in the processes you need to find someone you need to be able to qualify them you need to be able to understand the job you need to be able to connect the dots and at the core it is a sales job people who sort of tend to come from an HR background they feel like I'm helping people find jobs and sort of it has this you know non-sales salesy aspect to it which is helping and which is awesome But those are kind of for employment agencies, like, I don't know, like Costi's or uh, none of the names that really come to my head right now. Those work back jobs start, right? They work backwards that the candidates go to and you find them jobs. But in in this space, it's fast, super fast based. and you need to be able to sell the job to the candidate. And once you got that done, you need to be able to sell the candidate to to the hiring manager or whoever that end client is. So there is an aspect of salesiness to it. You need to have that. Um, so the personality um, traits, I wouldn't say they don't necessarily change from corporate to agency
0: because the core of the job is the same. Okay. Well, we, one of the reasons we brought you on here is we we're really curious to hear your thoughts on different ways that recruiters can be better um, I'll, I'll probably be taking notes here as well. I'm a professor at Ambrose university in Calgary and I teach a recruitment and selection in a number of HR courses. So I may steal some of your tips and uh, I'm declaring it right up front here. Oh, so hey. I don't think that's plagiarism, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I guess <laughs> we want to, We want to talk about ways that recruiters can be better. And we've got a few different topics we want to chat with you about, but you know, first off, you know, how do you strategize your search or how do you teach recruiters to strategize their search better?
2: Wow. Great question. That's the first sort of basis, right? That's the foundation of where you start with. And it's when you think about when you go on any type of a any type of a search or a hunt or a quest, the first couple of steps that you take towards whichever direction they kind of set the tone for which where you're going to end up. So those initial steps are very key steps because you need to know the right direction. And if you think you're going the right way, but you're going the wrong way, you keep you know, distancing yourself from the actual actual target. So the things that I talk about from strategizing is really first and foremost, understand, I mean, sounds very basic, but understand who and what are you looking for, right? It's not just the job title, there's other aspects and, and angles to the job. I feel like in this day and age, because of the market being so saturated with so much competition, there's been a lot of focus that's put on the speed and how quickly can I get a candidate and I feel like because of that the quality is getting taken a hit so quick 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 let, let the system spit out some candidates and I'm going to call the first three four people I got to jump on the next job so I feel like quality is very key, understanding all different aspects of the job, whether it's a perm or whether it's a contract type role. What are those key pieces and must-haves versus nice-to-haves?
0: Sorry, I would argue that that's one of the reasons that agencies have been given a bad name is because they focus so much on that quantity versus the quality. So if you're a hiring manager yeah. and, okay, they got me resumes in 10 minutes, you know, high five for them, but they're not actually the people I want. They didn't take the time to understand yeah. the role. So I, I don't know if you feel the same way, Absolutely. but that's that's how, my observation. I've been mostly on the corporate side uh, before I became a professor. And that was my frustration with the agencies. They focus so much on that quantity yeah. and lost that.
2: Yeah. And I feel like the, the saturation in the market before, if it was you and you were the only agency, or maybe it was you and another agency working on the job, it was less competition so maybe you were sort of stressed a little bit less i mean right now i see we have clients that give us 24-hour turnaround time and we're competing against double-digit number of vendors so any job could at any given time could be worked on by 20 recruiters so you know if i was a recruiter in that space i would be i would be running
1: so that's what i wanted to actually say is doesn't it don't you almost disqualify clients who are commoditizing the value that you bring to the table in such a way that they're they're getting 10 yeah. recruiters to do the same search would you not choose to rather not work with the client like that
2: it, 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 absolutely so you, you should ideally you what you want to be to be in a space that you can push back on scenarios that are not suitable to your to your business but i mean clients also this is something is it a that it's now it wasn't like this five or ten years ago it's kind of evolved into this and I'm and I'm hoping that and I'm pretty sure that it will, you know evolve into something else later on but it before this VMS and MSP world came about that's kind of turned into multiples and multiples of vendors before everything was backdoor nothing was being documented and so I feel like we're going through the evolution of VMS was needed MSP was needed in order to be able to put some structure around you know, this madness of no approved vendor and everybody worked with their cousin or their uncles or neighbors, and there was a lot of favoritism happening. So, not necessarily the best candidate was being picked. So, and the, and the client was paying the, the final price for it, which is not fair. But uh, I feel like now we've kind of reached that, you know, <laughs> that tipping point of okay, there's way too many agencies all going through the funnel. The communication has been a little bit choppy because these MSPs, VMS the is blocking. The direct communication in most cases, so the quality of the orders that come through becomes a challenge.
1: What we're going to be um, focusing on here is uh, giving some tips to recruiters on how they can be better at their yes. at their jobs. Now, strategizing your search, coming back to that, we're we're talking about knowing what you're looking for, and then and then knowing where you can find that, which kind of channels are going to bring that to you. Um, now, what many people have mentioned before is using Boolean search as a best practice you know, you're looking on LinkedIn and on Google and through your own applicant tracking system, I imagine. Do you maybe have some tips to share uh, for recruiters on how they can really improve their Boolean, Boolean search?
2: Oh, totally. But before jumping, I want to add something I know I went on a tangent. Um, I'm going to blame it on Tim here. Got me going <laughs> on the agency side of things. But uh, when it comes to the strategizing your search, I think the big piece here is differentiating between who can do the job versus who would want to do the job
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and versus who can and would want to do the job these are three different types of people
1: and how do you know that
2: it's basically going through the resume like just because typically starts with a keyword search whether it's automated or whether it's crafted by an individual it's going to spit out a whole certain number of candidates just because those keywords are on their resumes or they come up on top of your list, that doesn't mean that they're the best candidates, Mm -hmm. right? There's all different factors. How long have they been in their role? What's the location looking like? What is the progression of their career looking like? And what we have on our hand, would that that be a fit for them for their next career move, right? So just because they can do the job, that doesn't mean they would want to do the job. And just because because they want to do the job, that doesn't mean that they can do the job. So it's really, and, and that's one of those traits for when, you know, junior intermediate recruiters that you see someone and you get excited. I call it, you know, you, you're falling in love with the idea of the candidate. Yeah. That this this is it. This is the best candidate. And then they're going to jump on it. Just not take, take a moment, deep breath, really, really visualize would this person want to make a move right now? Mm-hmm. Whether we're co- contract or perm, doesn't matter. But is this the right person? regardless of how many times these keywords are showing up on their resumes.
1: Now in terms of the Boolean search, how do you, what do you teach? Yeah, what do you teach?
2: Um, First of all, Boolean is very simple, right? You only have two or three operators, an and and an or and a not, quotation and asterisk, and that's about it.
1: So are you using and and or like in a Google search? Where are you doing this?
2: I would do it within our applicant tracking system. I would do it within Google. I would do it within LinkedIn. I would do it on Monster. Back in the day when we used Workopolis. Indeed, the, the the language is universal. Okay. Now, the I feel the biggest mistake that that recruiters make is that they read the job description. That's your first step. And when they build a search string, they don't keep in mind and consider the fact that. I'm not looking for job descriptions, I'm looking for resumes. So if I put 20 people that all did the same job, they're not necessarily going to talk about their experience in the same way. One might be in present tense, one might be in third person, one might be in past tense, they might write about the technologies differently. So it's really thinking outside of the box and try to be as inclusive as possible.
1: So you're trying to, to find verbs in different tenses?
2: Verbs in different tenses, or maybe um, a specific technology and their version of it. How many different ways people can, can write it. Write it. Uh, because when you, when you, you know, introduce Boolean, even a dash or a comma or a dot makes a huge difference. So you have to be very specific and very careful. I'll give you a very, very simple example. Um, a business system analyst. Now, it's a very popular job title. Some people call themselves BSA. Some people call, them, call themselves business system analyst. But then some people call themselves business systems analyst. So there's an extra S in there. So gotcha. I've, I've tried that in, on, on LinkedIn in our database and in in, in various different job boards. And it's amazing the different numbers that you get from these searches. So if we have, let's say, 30,000 BSAs, about 18,000 of them would call themselves business system analyst, 12,000 of them would call themselves business systems analyst, which means if if I pick one and not the other, I'm missing out potentially on like eight, eighteen thousand of them which is a crazy
1: number it's huge it's almost and half yeah. when
2: you think about you just need one candidate to fill that job so that one candidate very easily could be on this bucket or the other bucket so you've got to be inclusive make sure you have you include both of them throw them in an ore bracket and the way you go
0: no, I mean, if somebody lives near you, your answer to this question will be, "Well, take my course." But uh, you know, for the the rest of us, if we wanted to learn more about Boolean searches, how to do that, like, what do you recommend to a recruiter who's like, hey, "Geez, I suck at this." Um, Help, you know. And I- um,
2: there is there is ton of um, resources online, but I know there is one lady on on LinkedIn, Irina Sh- uh, Shamiva, I believe that's what her name is, and she is kind of the Boolean guru. Uh, I learned my Boolean when I took a course with uh, Peter Lefkowitz and I, I just fell in love with the with the idea, and I never gave up. And kind of, you know, I don't know if it's the right way to say, it, but I geeked out. I was like, this is this is this going to be my differentiator. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go crazy on this. And really, mastering that Boolean sh- search is the difference between going through 200 resumes rather than 2,200 resumes. Right? So if you know how to narrow down your search properly, you can save yourself a ton of time and give yourself that advantage. Right? So if you no. go to Monster and I go to Monster and we're working on the same job, if my Boolean search is better than you, I'm going to get my candidate faster.
1: Now, Sam, let's, let's say mm-hmm. you've, you've, you've found the candidate... Um, they've now gone for an interview, and we're and we're down to the point of rate negotiations, or maybe it's even before. Mm-hmm. Uh, when do you, when do you negotiate a rate? First of all, and the, is it before you start the search? Is it once you found the candidate? And maybe there's a difference between rate negotiations for perm recruiting versus contract recruiting. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um,
2: definitely, um, I, I approach both searches quite differently from from conversing with the candidates or the potential candidates, 100%. Uh, That being said, the rate shouldn't be something, I feel like when you say rate negotiation, people think of a boxing match. Like I'll throw a punch and then you throw a punch and then we keep throwing punches until we're exhausted and one of us gives up.
1: (laughs) I like that analogy. And there's this
2: notion in the, there's this notion in the, you know, this, this myth in the market that well, the more the agency makes, the less I'm going to make as a candidate which is really not the truth anymore. Maybe in the past it was, the more margins you get. But right now, all the margins are kind of monitored by a third-party sort of MSP. Uh, there is not much favoritism really going on in those type of an accounts. And in a PERM situation, we charge the client and not the candidate. So I, I think we should peel that layer off and really be honest from the get-go, that the goal is to fill the job. The goal of a candidate, the goal of a recruiter is to fill the job. If they don't fill the job, they're not going to get paid. So that's that. The end goal is let's work together on filling this job. How can we do this?
1: So what I'm wondering, though, is when you call up a candidate, this is the first time they're hearing from you. Maybe they're open to the opportunity. But they want to know what the price point is because if it's too low, they're not even interested in entertaining a further conversation. That might be an absolute deal breaker. And then they've wasted all your time.
2: Yeah. So the first time I'm talking to someone, I would never pitch them a job because I don't, I don't know them. I, I just saw a piece of paper. Right. So to me, I won't really talk about a job with you unless I really know you after looking at your resume. So
1: what do you talk about in the first call?
2: For, I mean, just to begin with, once they open their mouth, I, I will be gauging their comm skills I will be gauging their personality I'll be gauging their energy vibe I will be gauging their expectations are they being realistic about what it is that they're looking for based on right so I'll gauge their preferences I'll gauge their gauge their activity are, are they looking are they not looking if they're looking what it is that they are looking once I have all that stuff then in the back of my head I kind of do the math as in is this person worth worth to work with can I connect this person with an opportunity then as a part of the preference piece I'll jump into the rate but if I start with the rate it's gonna sound like I care more about the rate which is not the truth the truth I care about filling the job with an appropriate rate right so I'm gonna throw that notion I really because I don't want to call that candidate 50 times every time I get a job right I want to call them once, really understand what it is that they want, what is it they're looking for, when they're looking for that thing. If they're full-time, what is that pain point for them, Uh, what do we call, career wound, Peter Lefkowitz used to call it, or their professional frustration, because if you don't have a real reason to look for a job, like, I just hate my boss, I'm looking, well, like, that's kind of dangerous, because I don't want to put you in front of my client, and then you're going to hate my client, and then there goes my, my candidate.
0: Well, Sam, one, one of the things, I, I mean, you're kind of alluding to it with conversations with the candidates, but at some point in the recruitment process, there will be an interview. Um, and, you know, interviewing is a bit of an art uh, as well. How do you train recruiters on how to do interviews properly, either over the phone or in person or whatever they look like? What are, what are some of your tips that you use to train those recruiters properly?
2: So there, there is a structure that goes into it, as in what type of questions I would ask and how much time I would spend. But I think if, if I had to summarize everything is that you want to get to know the candidate, the, the person themselves. If it's, it's, it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be like an interrogation that you have like 20 questions, I'm going to sit there and I'm going like to bombard you with 20 questions back to back to back to back it's really about getting to, getting to know the person. You know, you start with an icebreaker, you, you start with a nice, whether it's a Skype, whether it's a coffee at a coffee shop, whether it's in person in the office, I'm gonna spend the first five, six minutes just massaging and building that real little rapport. Talk about the weather, talk about sports, talk about stuff, to get to, real, get to know that real person. Because if, if we start start off the interview, you know, being rigid and being cold and being super serious, then you're not going to get a good version of the person who's sitting across from you.
1: It sounds to me like you're, you're aiming to be more authentic and have a conversation in which you're a trusted advisor. Absolutely. Now, now as a recruiter, it can get really, it's, it's a high volume, it's a busy desk, right? You're trying to screen mm-hmm. hundreds, maybe thousands of people for a handful of positions. Um, there's, there's communications flying at you from different angles, from your phone to your emails to LinkedIn, one side the, ca- the candidates and the other side you got the clients what what tips do you or, or what skills do you share with your new recruits when you're training them up to be recruiters in terms of managing their time maybe there's a, the top one or two things that you can share as a tip for other recruiters to manage their time better
2: definitely this is if boolean is my number one <laughs> passion Time management is my number two, 100%. Definitely on the time management piece, there should be some planning and some structure, 100%. If you're not planning your day, if you're not using calendar or tasks, you're missing out. As you said, there is just too much happening for you to to try to rely on just an email inbox and be reactive. I think one of the... and, And on the other side, one of the biggest mistakes that individuals make is that they what I call they let the jobs dictate their day, mm-hmm. right? So in, in, uh, if I have to put buckets, there is proactive activities uh, and they're, they're reactive stuff.
1: So do you break up your calendar like that and you actually block a piece off for being proactive and a part so, of the day for being reactive?
2: Yeah, so I would say week. It's, it's tough to do it in a day. Uh, I would say in a week, you want to have a certain amount of activities that regardless of what your week or your day looks like, you're still ticking them off, right? So I feel like because of the volume and speed, we're very sort of reactive to, oh my God, a job came in, I'm going to go boo, 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 try to call a hundred people and submit a bunch of people. Oh my God, another job came in and another job came in and I feel like you should be able to, you know, press pause and say, this is the time that I had allocated to do those type of proactive activities, right? To build rapport. Because you should talk to candidates when you don't have a job, right? That's one of the key things that I feel will, I I believe it it builds relationships and rapport. Because recruiters are known to just call and say, I have a job, I have a job. Are you available? You're not available? Okay, I don't care then, bye.
1: So you'd you'd recommend to recruiters that they block off uh, hours in their calendar for specific tasks For one part being actively searching for candidates to fill vacancies that you've got open and the other side just keeping your existing talent pool warm um, and at some point in the week. It doesn't have to be split up in the day, but at least in the week. That's really awesome. Thanks for those tips, Sam. So uh, today we were chatting with uh, Sam Rabar, um, who's the director of training and corporate recruitment at Eagle Professional Services. Uh, For the past eight years, he's been training and developing all their recruiters from scratch. So thanks for sharing all those tips, Sam. We really appreciate it.
2: My pleasure, guys.